Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You're locked in. Look at what we have here, folks. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Welcome back to Duke Loves Wrestling. That's right, Jack. I am the man of the hour, the man with the power. Too sweet to be sour. First day of August. I am so pumped. July was too hot. It was too hot. (laughs) I don't know what the heck was going on in July, man. I I saw a stat where we had the, the hottest July on record for Boston, which is just, ugh. That's no fun. You know, there was tornadoes in my state, which we don't normally get tornadoes here in Massachusetts. That was kind of crazy. We had some kind of interesting weather event that happened uh, the other day where the sky literally opened up and dumped torrential rains for like 20 minutes, 60 mile per hour winds. It was just crazy. I don't know what's going on. I'm ready for the snow. I don't know about anybody else, but I'm sick of this heat wave and crazy thunderstorms and weather and all this other nonsense. I don't know, man. Listen, last week we we had a monster show and I definitely want to give a shout out to our friend Styx, Ken Styx Ray. You know, he came on and gave us an update on that issue where he was at the venue for a fight for the following, you know, AEW's pay-per-view and the accessible seating for the disabled really wasn't all that accessible because the, the view it's hard to see what was going on out there. I'll, I'll tell you something funny. You know, that's a pretty big story. And, you know, the first time we, we introduced the story, you got rave reviews and discussion online and what have you. Somebody from the venue reached out to Sticks as he told you last week and all that good stuff there. I was having a conversation with somebody from one of the major wrestling websites. And... We were talking about it, and I said, hey, you know, we Sticks gave an update. If you guys want to run this, why not? Whatever. And the guy had the audacity to tell me that he couldn't run it because he would need a statement and an email from Sticks. Never mind the fact that Sticks gave two podcast interviews. He needed a statement and email from Sticks with all the information and then he was going to take it to his legal department and they would determine if if the website could run the story because he was afraid of getting sued i'm, I'm peeling back the curtain a little bit here folks because I, I i gotta tell you this show duke loves wrestling we have gotten a tremendous amount of wrestling media coverage all over the world and it's really unheard of because this show is not run by a wrestler it's not owned by a major corporation. It's just me, this you know wrestling fan guy who has a day job. But I do this thing because I love it, and you guys love it, so we we deliver. And of course, we got you know the Boston Bad Boy. He's part of it, and he's a producer. And I believe uh, I'm gonna let him back in next week to update us on what the hell he's been up to. But anyway, this isn't this isn't backed by any major anything. It's just me, regular guy like you, ladies and gents out there, what have you. So I appreciate the coverage that the show has gotten through the years. But I got to tell you, what I don't appreciate is when somebody is lying to me. This fool said he would need a, an additional statement from Sticks where he's literally going to just write everything down and, and, and send it in an email. And then he's going to take it to his legal department and, and they'll determine if the story can be written. Now, now, correct me if I'm wrong. If you're a media entity, isn't your job, when somebody says one thing, your job is to reach out to the other party and ask them if they want to give a comment, but you decide if you're going to run a story or not. How, how could you possibly get sued for saying person A stated that such and such happened? Entity B 
no comment or entity B gave a comment, what have you. You're just reporting on the news. That's your job. That's why you exist to report on the news. And and, and I'm going to say that I feel like this person is lying to me because on their website, they have posted stories from this podcast where people have said things like Manny Fernandez claiming he, he told Vince McMahon to go F himself or the CTE story that Big Vito has told a few times and, you know, talking about the concussion lawsuit or Rodney Mack coming on and talking about being lied to by the McMahons. Uh, different things have been said on this show and have been reported on by many websites, including this one in particular. So I was a little perplexed. And while this person is talking to me, I was literally on their website taking a look at some of the stuff they had posted. And they had things posted on there that were said on other shows where it was literally a person saying, hey, this the reason why X happened is because of, uh, because of Y. And this person has no sources that they're quoting. They're saying that sources told me they have no named people that they that they are saying they got their information from. And yet the website, I'm pretty sure, didn't go out and get statements from everybody involved. So the guy just was trying to bury the story. That's the main idea. That's what I that's what I conclude. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think I'm wrong. I think we were trying to bury the story. I'm just gonna tell you right now, I don't play that. I don't play that. When people come on this show and they discuss whatever they gotta discuss. It's all out in the open, Jack. That's just the way it is. Okay? I'm not afraid of any big billionaire back company or what have you. Listen, Styx has video of his view. It was blocked. He has photos of his view. It was blocked. The company reached out to him and apologized and said, do you have any suggestions on, on things? They just didn't handle it well from there. And that's between sticks and them to figure out. I'm just providing the platform for the information to get out because the company was ignoring the guy before that. Somebody reached out to the guy once he was on my show and once it started getting written about. That's what happened. Now, if this website that I'm not going to say which website it is, if they want to try to bury stories and try to hide behind convoluted, nonsensical reasons why they can't post a story, as opposed to saying, hey, I don't want to post that story. I got other things that are more interesting. Could have said that, and I would have respected it. But just know, I don't play that. And I'm not going to name names right now. I'm going to let that one breathe, but trust me. <laughs> you know? There may come a time where it's time to just say, hey, Certain entities are full of crap. I'm just going to leave it at that, folks. Don't call yourself a, a news website if you are not actually participating in journalism. If all you're doing for the most part is reposting stuff that other people have broken and other people have created. I don't know what kind of news website you really are. I don't know. But I digress. So that was interesting. Shout out to everybody. I appreciate the support last week's show. Uh, like I said, Sticks was on. We also um, had a really good talk with my man from The Rap, Tony Maglio. Every time Mags comes on, it's always a big deal because he drops some knowledge on the wrestling industry and how to, how to view things and see it from the perspective of those in the TV industry and those who cover the TV industry. And I just think that's such an interesting perspective because, again, we talk about pro wrestling and ratings and all this other nonsense, and we don't really know what we're talking about. It's important to get TV people to lend a voice and educate us on this thing. We, are, we, we weren't blessed with the knowledge of knowing everything. We need somebody to educate us on stuff. So... Respect to Tony Maglio. That's my guy, man. Good dude. Good dude. Speaking of uh, good dudes, I know Brandon Howard Thurston. He just uh, put up a new episode of WrestleNomics Radio, which is, you know, a podcast about the economics of pro wrestling. I really, really encourage everybody to go listen to it because he talks about the WWE Q2 from the economic standpoint. He kind of digs into that stuff. It's pretty cool. Appreciate that. 
So, and I'm going to try to get him on the show to come on and break down some of that stuff in even more detail. I have some questions for him. So, shout out to uh, Brandon Howard Thurston, though. Good dude. Good dude. I do want to say one thing before I get into the top stories, though. I'm hearing that some knucklehead sent death threats to uh, Brandy Rhodes for all, all elite wrestling. I, I just, I don't understand. What some of you out there are just complete, you're out of your mind. I, I don't understand. Why would you threaten the well being of people? Especially people who are here to entertain you. And it's okay if you're not entertained. I get that. You can dislike and boo and, and pick apart and, and microanalyze. I mean, hey, that's what I do on this show. But come on, you're threatening to, to, to take somebody's life? What? I hope she sent that to the police. Whoever the lunatic was that sent her that. Some of you got to get it together. Get get back in touch with reality because I, I just don't get it, man. That's too far. Doesn't make any sense. You wouldn't want one of your loved ones to be treated like that at their job. Or treated like that within the capacity of their job. So why are you treating somebody else like that? It's ridiculous. So... I'm not going to spend too much time on that because it just really it, it burns me up. I just, I don't get it, but it needs to stop. And once again, I hope whomever did it gets exposed because it's it's unacceptable. So we'll leave that where it is. And with that said, we'll get into the top stories here. The big show gets his own show. That's right. It's kind of funny. It's called the big show show. <laughs> it's a, a series that uh, is going to be 10 30-minute episodes on Netflix. And it's going to focus on the big show's daughter coming to live with him uh, and his other two daughters and his wife. Really interesting stuff. You know, the big show is, a, is an interesting guy. First of all, he's a legitimate giant. So just to live when you're somebody that's that massive and that tall is tremendous. So I'm sure it'd be inter- interesting just to see how he lives. But to go into his house and see not only how he lives, but how his entire family interacts with one another, that's I'm sure that's going to be a, a pretty interesting experience. So I'll be tuning in and hope everybody else tunes in. Once again, it's the, the Big Show show <laughs> on Netflix. So stay tuned for when that is going to debut. But like I said, I, I can't wait to see it because... I like the big show. I think he's a, he's a nice guy. I think he's an interesting guy, so should be cool. New 24-7 champion, Maria Canellis Bennett. She's pregnant, mind you, and she's the 24-7 champion. So Mike Bennett somehow, some way, was able to, to defeat our truth for the 24-7 championship on Raw. And he, he locks himself in the locker room. And his wife, Maria, bangs on the door and threatens to kick him in his vagina. I'm not making this up, folks. This is exactly what she said. I will kick you in your vagina if you don't open this door. And he did. He opened the door. I guess he didn't want to get kicked in the vagina. So, (laughs) so Maria demands that he get on his back like he does at home. That's another thing that she said. And he did. And she put her foot on him and told the ref to count. One, two, three. And she became 24-7 champion. She's pregnant. Let me say that again. This is, this is, I don't know, man. This is crazy. But I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. I got to tell you. I want to see what happens next. I think it's very interesting. Who's going to pin a pregnant woman? I don't, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen there, but kudos to WWE for delivering this different content. I know a lot of people have been negative on the 24-7 championship. They've been negative on the Mike and Maria saga. You know, Mike looking like um, 
a guy who's taking orders from his lady and she's degrading him and all this other good stuff. We're so used to seeing the other way around. We've seen throughout history men degrading women in wrestling. I mean, hey, it's time to flip the script a little bit. And they're an actual married couple and they're a happily married couple. They just signed a new contract to WWE. They're on the number one show in all of pro wrestling, one of the top shows on all of television. Weekly doing things. Who the heck can find fault with that? I think it's awesome. I think it's completely awesome. And for the record, people told Mike Bennett he would never win a championship in WWE. Well, he just did. And not only did he win a championship, he won the most popular championship in the company. The 24-7 championship. That's the one that's getting all of the social media views and the streaming numbers and all that good stuff. It's a big deal. So many people were negative on that championship. And the stuff that our truth, the stuff that um, Carmella, the stuff that Drake Maverick and his wife Renee, the stuff that now Mike and Maria are doing, this is all just great comedy, compelling, interesting, lighthearted stuff. I love it. I love it. I want more of it. What did Dr. Pepper say? Give me more, more, more. That's right. I want that's that's what I want, man. I want more 24-7 content. I think it's it's awesome. Love it. Keep it coming. So shout out to Maria. Shout out to Mike. Stay tuned because we'll have to see what's gonna happen with that. Speaking of women in championships, AEW announced that the first ever AEW World Women's Champion is going to be crowned when they debut their new show on TNT in October. So that's pretty interesting. Never mind the fact that they have not done anything to give us any iota of an idea of who's even in the running to be AEW Women's Champion. I don't even know how between now and then they're going to get to a point where these particular folks are going to compete to be the champion. So, I mean, I guess we'll have to wait and see how that goes. I really wish they would present their women's wrestling in a manner that actually matters. Because I got to tell you, the way that they've presented it, not the way that I've received it, it's the way that you've presented it. You've presented it in a way that it doesn't really seem to matter. The fact that you haven't put on a women's match in one of the last three matches of of any of your pay-per-view shows, it just tells me that you don't really care about the women's division. And now you announce that you're going to crown a champion on on a card that's coming up, but you really haven't done anything that show like who's who's competing. Like what's the women's division even look like right now? So I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens. And it's going to debut on that show that um, doesn't even have a name yet, by the way. You know, I was reading the rap. We had Tony Maglio on. I was reading the rap and he, and, and he wrote a, a piece and it was a good point. AEW show that's debuting in October does not have a name. They're selling tickets to this show that doesn't have a name. Their advertising graphic says that AEW is having this show and it's going to be televised on TNT, yet the show doesn't have a name. Now, we're in August. This is two months away and you still don't have a name of your television show. (laughs) I mean, that's just dysfunctional. That's amateur hour. And yeah, I know. Oh, Duke, come on, man. They're going to get a name. What's the big deal? It's a pretty big deal for marketing and branding and, you know, for the television networks and people covering it and what have you. I don't know. It seems like amateur hour. Should have had that copywritten and, and up and all that by now. I don't know. Maybe my expectations are too high. I, I try. I keep saying that AEW is a, a startup. So you got to give them room to make their mistakes. But everybody else keeps telling me they're an alternative and a competitor to the WWE. And calling them a startup is insulting. So if I if I 
go by those rules, then I have to say they're they're the most dysfunctional, disorganized thing going for a competitor to the number one company in the history of pro wrestling. They don't even have a name for their TV show. Like, what are you doing? I digress. Because, you know, Cody Rose, he he said this week that um, he's not catering to the casual wrestling fan. AEW is not going to cater to the folks who are not AEW faithful fans. I'm paraphrasing on that part. He says they're going to focus on their core audience. Anybody ever remember that episode of the Cosby show where, where Theo gives a big, it's one of the early episodes of Cosby show. Theo gives a big speech and, you know, about just love me because I'm your son and don't judge me and all this other stuff. And then Bill listens. And then when Theo's done talking and the crowd is done giving an applause, Bill Cosby says, Theo, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard anybody say. <laughs> oh, Cody. Ah, what do you mean you're not going to try to cater to the casual wrestling fan? What does that even mean? That means that you don't want a successful TV show. Your show is going to be prime time on TV. So the people who don't normally watch wrestling on a consistent basis, the people who have no idea what AEW is or barely an idea, who are flipping channels and might happen upon it, you're not even going to think about them or try to add elements that may draw their attention. No. The neckbeards, who are 26, 27 years old, may or may not have any interaction with the opposite sex. They just know that they want to see blood and guts and and, and alternative to the WWE. That's who you want to focus on. And the hell with everybody else. I got it. We'll see how long that lasts. We'll see how successful that is. I don't know. Maybe it'll be maybe it'll be tremendous. Maybe that's the that's the ticket. The AEW faithful, they're the ones that are the real power in the wrestling industry. Focus on them and everything else will be all great. Maybe, who knows? I'll have to wait and see. Huh. Uh. Moving on. We lost a legend today, folks. Just a couple of hours ago, to be honest. Um, earlier today, the king of wrestling, Harley Race. He has moved on to that great spirit of the sky. And, you know, that's the number one story in pro wrestling right now. Because it, it is just heartbreaking. It's, it's very sad. We lost a legend. You know, WWE, they posted it. Uh, on Harley Race's official Twitter account, somebody, whoever runs that, they posted it. Yes, 12.50 p.m. today, officially, uh, he was moved on. He was only 76 years old, you know, he was a young guy. He had some health complications. And I know some of you younger folks, you have no idea who Harley Race is, you, you know, it just, or what his significance is to the pro wrestling industry. But here's a guy that had some amazing feuds with everybody from Terry Funk to Dusty Rhodes to Ric Flair, Junkyard Dog and when he was in the WWF, Hulk Hogan. I mean, Harley Race wrestled everybody, man. He was the NWA champion. I think it was about seven times. He was, he was just class act. What they say, he's a man's man, too. He beat the hell out of you and, and tell you why he did it after he did it. Real tough guy. Great guy. Later on in his career, he was a manager. He managed Big Van Vader and helped guide his career in WCW, which Vader was literally like the most unstoppable force in wrestling at that time. He was there for Lex Luger as well. Managed Lex Luger when Luger was champion. And during his feud with Ron Simmons, which is a very underrated feud, by the way, and Barry Windham, just shout out to the King of Wrestling, Holly Race. Rest in peace. Folks, you've heard what I think. Now, what do you think? Do you agree with me? Do you think I'm a jerk? Maybe something in between. 
You can head over to Facebook or Twitter, even Gmail. Duke loves wrestling. Let me know what you think. I can take it. Trust me. I think many of you know that because you send me some some doozies, boy. Woo. <laughs> you know, a lot of you got on me about uh, what I said on last week's show to end last week's show about Jimmy Uso's DUI and WWE should provide transportation for the, the talent. It just makes sense. A lot of you got all over me about that, man. They're adults. They should they should know what they're doing and this and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This company's having record profits and they can't provide transportation for the talents from one town to the next town. When these guys are on the road, these guys and girls are on the road all these days in a year. Give me a break. Protect your investment. But I do appreciate the, the response. I'm not looking for everybody to agree with me. I like debate, man. I, I'm I dig that. If you can if you can open my eyes up to something I didn't think about before, I appreciate that. Or if you're putting me in a position where I have to defend my position and that helps strengthen my position, I appreciate that too. It's like a pickup game of basketball. Bring on. Bring on the debate, man. I love it. I don't mind people who agree with me, but I love it when you disagree with me. So Shoot me a message. Let me know. All right. Okay. Listen, my man, Dusty Wolf, somebody who I grew up watching Saturdays and Sunday mornings on WWF's two TV shows, you know, S- Superstars. And what was the other one that they had? Uh, it was Superstars and, oh, man, escapes my mind. Wrestling Challenge. Um, Dusty was an enhancement talent that everyone loved working with because he always made them look good. But Dusty also wrestled in the Global Wrestling Federation and the NWA territories, and he was in WCW as well. He's a guy that is well-respected out there. When he retired from pro wrestling, he became an adjunct history professor. So he's a guy who's educated and knows his stuff, really sharp. So I'm just checking in. He's a good friend. Uh, we were having a conversation. I said, man, you know what? Let's just record this because it's always it's always fun when we talk. So you're going to hear this great conversation between Dusty and I. And uh, stick around because afterwards I have some thoughts. Yeah, and then we uh, flipped over to the Raw reunion just for, for the hell of it. I just wanted to see what some of the guys looked like. And uh, the funniest part of all that is I've got a six-year-old son that he doesn't know anything about wrestling. Uh, doesn't really care. You know, his daddy did, but it's not a big deal to him. But anyway, as he's watching the show, I noticed that the only two people he really cared about was, uh, Becky and then Austin. That, that's pretty interesting. Becky and yeah. Austin. So, so what do you mean about when you say that those are the only two people they cared about? He would watch for a second on the entrance, you know, all the, the glamour and the lights and the smoke and the mirrors and all that. But once the entrance was over, he went on about his business, except for those two. And he was more captured by Austin than Becky, but he still took time to, what is she doing? What's she talking about? What? And watching her and trying to figure out exactly what was going on with her and following or trying to follow what she was doing. And I think part of it with him, it just from the way he talked, was that live crowd reaction coming through the screen for those two. I mean, the crowd was dead. The half of the show I saw, the crowd was dead for the rest of the guys. Bust their hearts. They were. I don't know what the heck was going on with that crowd. I don't know. They, 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 they've aged out of knowing who all the greats were. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a very you know, good even point. A 20, even a 20, 25-year-old, uh, they're not going to know who some of those greats were. They have no clue. Becky Lynch, obviously, because she comes out with that that confidence and that swagger. You know, she's the man. And well, the I course. saw that just uh, that not paying a lot of attention to anything. And that half the show I saw. I mean, the first half in this way may have popped a place bigger than anything. But the only two responses that were worth a damn in the second half of that show was Becky and Austin. Sure. Sure. So how old? She's over. He's six. So he's, he's six. six a little bit of six. Uh-huh. Does he watch uh, wrestling on a regular basis? No, not at all. The only time he's ever even seen it is if, like, an old video comes up, one of his older brothers says, hey, look, we found this video of Dad. 
uh, a handful of times that I was helping somebody when they would call me up, you know, can you, I had a, a, good, a good friend of mine that I would help him with his show like once a month. And that's it. That's all he ever knew about it. Wow. So he's not necessarily an avid fan yet. Not at all. When those two characters popped up on the screen, that made him stop. Yes. That's interesting. Now, what did, what did he think about Austin in particular there? Because, I mean, that, this is a, a a dude who's looking mean, and he, he's just walking to the ring with purpose and all this other good stuff. What did he say about him? He thought it was cool. He really did. You know, the six-year-old thought you know, all the swagger and the, everything was cool. And then when Austin started drinking the beer, he's like, hey, Dad, he's got adult drinks. And I'm like, yeah. He's drinking them on TV. And I said, Yeah. And he's like, well, you didn't ever do anything like that. And I said, of course not, son. You know, I can't have you knowing half the stuff. But, uh, yeah, it, just the whole Austin thing kept his interest. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. And it's it's funny because, I mean, Jesus, you know, Austin was breaking in when you had already had at least a decade into the business by that point. Oh, yeah, he broke in. About, yeah, about right. He's about right. 10, 12 years. Because actually, when he broke in, now he broke in in Memphis, if I'm not mistaken. Well, it actually started in Dallas, and then went out to Memphis, where he got his you know first, if you want to call it, break, break. Oh, okay. So, because I know that he did do a run in, in in Dallas, but I didn't realize that Dallas came before Memphis. Okay. He had to have worked a few shows before he went to Memphis, because Chris Adams right. would run those shows to keep the students, you know, give them their first show and that sort of thing. I'm not going to speak for the man, but I'm sure he had some work in Dallas before he went to Memphis. And you know something, now that you say it, I mean, uh, gentleman Chris Adams is the one who trained him, which, you know, right. he's a world-class uh, right. legend, so that makes sense. He, he would he was definitely broken in that territory, so that, that makes right. a lot of sense. Wow. Wow, that's interesting. You know what? It doesn't surprise me that your son took to the uh, to the Texans, so to speak, there. So that's well, of course, he's a smart Texan. He's, he's native. <laughs> That's more interesting there. So it's it's funny though, Dusty, because that that was a reunion show where they had a lot of the um wrestlers from the past, you know, people that have made a lot of money with yeah. the business back then. And of course they you know, there was a, a tremendous buzz from that show. I mean, even though the crowd was, was dead at times and what have you, it was pretty well received. You know, the T V ratings were up and most of the people writing about it had positive things to say about it. What does it say, though, when when the stars from 20-plus years ago can still generate that type of buzz, and it may be bigger buzz than, you know, the, the more current stars? What it shows is the difference between the the guys that were the workers and the guys that are the prepackaged cookie-cutter guys. Uh when you had to get over as uh, as the Hardy Talk Man, Million Dollar Man, Hulk Hogan, you had to get over as that gimmick. People tend to, they're going to remember that more. To whereas I present to you, boom, and everybody has a smoke and mirrors and flashing lights intro. They go out and do the same five high spots and three different dives and don't stand out. I mean, that's exactly what it's all about. And, uh, Vince has completely reeled himself back into the old Lester Welch, Jerry Jarrett mentality. If I got a small number that I take care of and I make sure they stand out and I pay them well, and then the rest, I don't care. I could I could fire them tomorrow and replace them. And instead of I need everybody over because I never know who I'm going to have to put in that spot tomorrow. Completely different mentalities. I, you're absolutely right. And it's, it's really a tricky situation here because – despite the fact that they don't have the same caliber of star powers, star power in the individual wrestlers, they have figured out the business in a manner to maximize profits. I mean, of course, riding a wave of the most money they've ever made in history, and they're on a streak that is probably going to last at least eight straight years. I mean, they're they're in year three, so they got at least yeah. five more years left of, Posting record profits. It's hard to change when you when you when you can pull that off, right? I don't know if they got five more years, but I'm sure they've got at least a good two or three. Uh, because if the ratings start tanking here, the rest of the world will follow. 
And right now, the ranking, the ratings are still good enough. There's no concern. Whatever. And you have those countries that are willing to hand him a million dollars a year for the tape and so forth. So as long as that lasts, he's good. Uh, once that demand for the tape, that TV tape, starts dwindling, falling off here in the States, the rest of the world will follow and follow quickly. I don't. If I, you may be completely on 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 dot with five years. It could be you know, maybe ten. Who knows? I. That's the kind of stuff I don't know how to predict anymore because of technology. But I see it being just two or three years once he finally just falls off the, the map here. Now, Dusty, you have have wrestled for pretty much every major promotion of, of your time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and in fact, yeah. your run with the WWF in particular. I mean, you were on Saturday and Sunday morning TV for a good two, three years straight, every week. I was for, yeah, every week. And I was there for six years total, so, yeah. yeah. I, I went in at the height of their popularity, you know, at 87, and I was there until the, all the scandals created a situation that you just, it was hard to stick around for somebody underneath because, that, you know, the money just dwindled. But yeah, I was there and saw quite a bit of how everything works in that system. So I don't know about today, but I do know that you know, I was right there. Does it surprise you that it's still it's been able to endure and last for as long as it has? Because let's let's bear in mind when you broke into the business in, in the seventies, uh, we had territories still. Yeah, well, I broke in in the early eighties, but yeah, we had territories then too. And yeah. Vince McMahon pretty much, you know, bought up everyone he could and squeezed everybody else out, so they they had to go out. Oh, I blame Crockett for that more than I do Vince, but yeah, Vince was involved. There's just no two ways about it. But but my point is, in, in saying all that, is the WWF and now WWE, they definitely have had moments where they're facing bankruptcy, you know, facing situations where they literally were at their last dime. Yeah, yeah, twice that I know of. Yeah, exactly. Does it, does it surprise you that they're still here? At some levels. And then at other levels, Vince is just that ruthless. And he is that bright. I think we have to give some credit to Linda, too, because she's been right there next to him, even if you didn't see her. Uh, they're just that bright. There's no other way to put it. I mean, they may they may be the most bright in history in, in terms of... of the uh, from what I see, yeah. I mean, and we can go back to guys... We can go back into the history even before any of us were born, and you had guys that controlled the wrestling business, but they not at this level. Nothing no. like this. What do you think about this, this thing going on on the other side of the block here, where you have all elite wrestling, AEW, mm-hmm. Cody Rhodes, and you know, a bunch of his friends... They're all executive vice presidents. They they found a guy with, a, with a, literally a billionaire, right? Shad, Shad Khan and his, his son Tony is is really the one running the financial show for for the company, right? Um, but you have a situation where the people who are in charge of the creative and the booking and really the wrestling side of everything are also active competitors on the roster. Well, Booker actually still works. It's nothing new. But from what little bit I've read, what little bit I've heard, this is a situation where it's like eight or ten chiefs instead of one or two chiefs and the rest being Indians. And I'm not sure how that's going to work. I don't – it can't. That structure well, just cannot work. And, and, and you know, don't get us wrong here, folks. It, it – and I'm sure that I can speak for you in saying this. We all want it to succeed. We want to. Uh, yeah, I'd love to see it succeed. One more place for the boys to make some money, and uh, if they succeed, there's no telling what they would do from that point, which would help even more people make a living. I, I have no issue with hoping they succeed, but I don't know if any business that every body involved in the end product is a boss. I just, I don't know of any. And, and when you start we... mixing in, yeah, and then you start mixing in these egos and you start mixing in, uh, well, the egos the biggest, will be the biggest problem. 
and they all have say so, and they all want this, and they all want that, and that TV starts kicking in, and they start getting recognized even when Cody doesn't have this issue. But some of those other guys, you know, the casual fans don't know them, and it, it's just a recipe for disaster. Somebody doesn't step up and take over. Sure, sure. And you know, speaking of Cody, I mean, he came out with a statement. Uh, it was yesterday where he said that they're not going to cater to the casual wrestling audience. They're going to focus on their core audience. Well, you know, bless them. I don't know too many incels that go to shows. And I don't know too many keyboard warriors that actually leave the house. Uh, if he can structure the company in such a way that people at home will make him his money then he might be on to something. But if you just, in general, plan on having how many ever tens of thousands of the guys that sit in Mom's basement as your core audience, that's another recipe for failure. It's that casual fan that catches on and says, hey, I like this. And that's the one that's going to show up at your show, buy your pay-per-view, that sort of thing. Unless sure. there's just more incels out there than I know of, and he can, you know, he's got a bottom line number. He needs, let's say, eighty thousand every pay per view and uh, people, and he knows he can get that. Then go for it. But I don't see it. How do I don't see how it works? And and you know, we, we brought up your your son, your youngest son, there as an example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He'll never watch it if he's right. Exactly. He's a perfect example of a casual. And he's the age at which they get hooked. So we're we're not even going to worry about him or focus on him or, or present anything that's going to entice him. Uh, we focus on the, the the neck beard who's you know yeah. maybe twenty five, twenty six years old, and, and God knows if they have any interaction with the opposite sex. And yeah, if they if they left the house, they wouldn't be so busy on the computer. Yeah, well, that too. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that's the whole thing. You know, that's what we're talking about. They even have interaction with other people off off of online interaction, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's you know, those people aren't going to make you a ton of money unless you can find a way to make it work through technology. But then you're still going to have to have. I don't know how you wouldn't have to have some people in the, paying for live events and so forth. I just don't know how. Sure. And it's interesting too because if if you talk to any historian and you know you're actually a, a adjunct history professor so you, you yeah. are a historian yeah. in your own way there uh, but if you talk to a wrestling historian they'll tell you that the most successful periods usually involve the crowd being a mixture of different ages and it's it really comes down to families not just you know, that but you do have you do need older folks. You really do. Absolutely. I mean, when I started, I was a little older than, than Grant, my little one, the six-year-old, when I first started watching. And I remember you couldn't go to the Keel unless you were 14. You couldn't go to the Garden unless you were 14. There were other arenas like that across the country. You couldn't go to a boxing or a wrestling match unless you were 14. Uh, that crowd's gone. That crowd's been killed off. But that was one of the most successful of all the territories. You know, they, they they had that TV. They ran that TV. I know times have changed, but when you cut out an audience, you best be really sure of what you're doing with that one that you're trying to keep keep happy. Sure, and, and like you said, that audience is gone, and what mm -hmm. happened to them is that they aged out. Yeah, and, 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 and didn't cultivate who was coming next. Exactly. Exactly. Which is one of the things that the WWF has been, WWE has been very successful at. They have continued to cultivate mm -hmm. that next generation yeah. of fans. You know, they, they they continue to focus on these kids. Going all the way back to when I was younger, and, and we had Hulkamania and mm -hmm. all these powerful characters. George the Animal Steel with all the hair all over his body. Mm -hmm. and, you know, even moving on. A, a guy like Mr. Perfect, who... He was a bad guy, but, you know, him, him flip-flopping around for the, the ultimate warrior or somebody, he was just like, whoa, look at that. You know, or even right. you. <laughs> yeah. Yep. He took a couple bumps for you, too. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's just interesting where if you're not trying to cultivate that next generation of audience, how the hell are you going to survive? That's true. That's what I'm saying. What they're, what they're talking about in those terms 
I just don't see how it works. But then again, they may foolish, you know, technology and the people that follow the technology may, I just don't see it. But there's always that chance. But it seems like it's a much, much harder uphill battle doing that than it would be just, we have a product and we want everybody to watch. What is your take, Dusty, on, on this, this other stuff that's going on where, you have a guy like Joey Ryan. He's sponsored by a porn company. Yeah. And, you know, he has the, the, the move where somebody grabs his crotch and he can flip them over and all this stuff. For me, it's completely ridiculous. Uh, but Joey Ryan's making money. You know, bless him. He's making money. That, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, especially especially this day and age where it's, it's unless you are signed to a contract there isn't any um but he there's two things about his gimmick that are bad and one has to do with wrestling in general you you try to go into the south you try to go into the southwest the midwest and get a sponsor you try to go get a municipal building and somebody that's had their teenager watching joey ryan with the dick flip well yeah we don't really want any of that in our building so those places are hurting a little bit. I've, I've heard it from people, so I know I'm not just making this up. And then the other thing that's bad, and it's all on Joy. So I mean, it's up to Joy if he figures it out or not. Is when people get tired of the dick flip, what does he do next? That's a good point. Got to be more than a one trick pony. That's that's a good uh-huh. point. If he makes enough money being the one trick pony for the next few years and bless him get out retire before you're hurt do your thing take the money and run but is he but he's still hurting he's still hurting the towns not necessarily a big town like san antonio austin uh houston you know those, those towns are really hurting them but the, you know the medium the smaller towns where a lot of the guys make you need a payday at all it's beginning to hurt a little bit because they see this and they're like well we don't want that you're going to do that? We don't, you know, no, 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 we don't do that. Well, I still, we don't want that. You know, and, and, and what you're saying still comes back to what we were just talking about, where family-friendly entertainment. Mm-hmm. And it's something that Vince McMahon touched upon on, on his Q2, uh, you know, the quarterly, quarterly reports. They had a big conference call, and, and he pointed out the fact that WWE is not getting away from a PG product. They're going to stay PG. Now, yeah. there are ways that they can present certain storylines where they can get a little edgier because they definitely mm-hmm. haven't even touched the line yet for right. the last number of years. He said, but they're not going to be blood and guts or anything like that because basically, I mean, you, you'll chase your sponsors away. And I can see, especially being concerned with that in some of the countries in which the country is run by religion. I could certainly see why he's that way, and not necessarily, you know, I have to worry about just the U.S. and Canada. He's got, what, 50, 75 other countries that he has a tape in? How many of those would he lose if he did go back to the Attitude Era? That's a good point. What, what do you think is going to happen, just from a general standpoint? What's what's the next frontier in pro wrestling? I mean, we... we oh, we Lord, have... I don't really know. Oh, you've been around long enough to know something there, Dusty. Come on now. I, it's, it's not going to go backwards. All these guys that think they're going to run their, you know, uh, it's not going backwards. Uh, I could see a third big company popping up. Maybe. I don't know. Vince has got his fingers in so many of the potential candidates that they're not going to ever get big. It would have to be something like Cody that just does it from scratch. Maybe. Uh, otherwise, I just see it going the route it's going. Vince controls everything. Everybody responds to Vince. Uh, on the independent scene, there, there's good shows. I, I've seen some good crowds in the places that I didn't see just five years ago, but I don't know if those are the exception or if they're the rule anymore. I kind of think they're more the exception. And uh, you're not going to have guys – it's just going to get worse as far as the independent scene goes. That part's true. Because I, mean, I can look like when I go over to social media, I can look on any timeline of mine, and I'll see – Ten different schools, and each one of them's got 10, 15, 20 people posing in the ring together, the newest class, blah, blah, blah. There's no way the wrestling business, the wrestling industry can handle all of that. But the only money left on the independent scene for most is running that school. So I, I, uh, 
having said all that, WWE is still going to be this right there. They're going to be standard bearer for probably the rest of my lifetime. Uh, I could actually see AEW doing something if they get a boss. Third company, there's room for a third company. Independent scene, I don't see it doing anything. I, I see the houses that I've been seeing recently, the good ones. I see those fading like every other cycle we've ever seen in wrestling. I see it the next year or two, and as much for any other reasons as they just bring in too many guys. Too many green people. And eventually the schools are going to kill themselves off, just like the wrestling territories killed themselves off. Uh, that's probably another three, four years down the road, but you're going to start to see the schools close up constantly, one right after another. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing it. I, I, in fact, yeah. uh, you know, which is really a sad state of affairs there, but it looks like the school that WWE superstar Kane, who's now the, the mayor of... Uh, yeah, it looks like his school that he had with Tom Pritchard, I think they're going to be closing up, if they haven't already. Yeah, yeah. Like here in San Antonio, you've got you know, a couple schools that if anybody was to ask, I'd say, go talk to one of these two guys. Uh, and once you get past that, there's still four or five other schools. Three. Three that I can think of. Off the top of my head, I could point you right to and say those are other. So that's five schools in San Antonio. There's no way South Texas needs that many uh, new people coming into the business. And that's not even counting the handful that are down south of me toward Corpus and the Mexican border. That's not counting what's out in West Texas or going towards Houston or 80 miles up the road in Austin. So, I mean, they're going to kill it off. That's going to kill off the independent scene. I just don't know when. Wow. So the schools might be the next uh, territory, basically. <laughs> They're the one that's their own fault, too, though. But, yeah, exactly what it is. Didn't even think about it like that, see? Well, there's no way. Like I say, you, you can run through any social media you want to, especially like you or me that have, you know, wrestling or wrestlers and all that. And you look and you see this school, you see this academy, you see this place, you see that. Just in a matter of two minutes of scrolling, you see five, ten, twelve different schools. Or you see a seminar. And, you know, bless the guys making the seminars and doing the seminars. I have no problem. Go make your money. But you look at the seminar, and there'll be 50 guys at the seminar. Yeah. yeah. There's no way the business can handle all that. Yeah. It can't. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, those are good takes. Those are good takes. Yeah. And I've been telling you people for years that the schools are going to end up, they're going to end up destroying what's, they've already destroyed any kind of individuality. They're, they're going to end up destroying the, the industry. Tell, tell us about your book real quick. Yeah, Journey of Gentlemen is still out there on Amazon as far as I know. Uh, if not, we could always find me on Facebook, find me on Twitter. I don't even know. I don't handle the Twitter account. The boss does. Uh, and make sure that they can get a copy. That's no problem there. Good stuff. Good stuff. What's the Facebook? Uh, it's just Dusty Wolf. That's right. With an E. With an E, yes. Spell it correctly. And listen, real quick, how you holding up, Dusty? I know you, you recently had a surgery there. I have, I'm feeling much better. I had back surgery at Christmas. Uh, they took a piece of bone out of my back, removed a cyst, and I was able to stand up. And I quit having fire in my legs. And But the, bad, the downside of that was I realized how badly injured my hip was. And over the course of the next few months, I went through the – anyway, hip replacement was in May. And it's slow. It's 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 healing. It's slow. I got a little sick right after surgery. Just typical flu type symptoms where you you're not able to get up and do what you want to do. But I'm walking without any assistance right now. I'm still limping, but I've thrown the walker away, thrown the cane away. Feel good. Uh, probably gonna have to have some knee surgery this coming Christmas, and after that, I think I'm done. So, so you literally are going to be with Bobby the Brain. He would always say you're going to be a humanoid. <laughs> I'm real close to it. Yeah, the the uh, the only hardware they put in is the hip. My my back it was no hardware. I, I escaped that issue. Uh, it was just a matter of taking a little piece of bone out and then taking a cyst out. Uh, my knee, unless something drastically happens between now and the end of the year, I won't have any hardware there either. They're just going to go in and scope it and clean it and. See if they can't get me in better shape there. But yeah, the, the hip was completely everything from top to bottom. 
Yeah. That's got to be all those bumps you took through the years, huh? It's exactly what it is. That and uh, just the arthritis that comes from little injuries that you don't have treated, you don't take care of, and because you keep going, because you got to keep making the money. But yeah, that's it. That's the, that was the life. But you, you got any last words for uh, your fans out there? Well, if I still have any, thanks for being a fan. Thanks for remembering. Uh, you know, keep the faith. I could be wrong on everything, and I don't see us going back. But if, you know, I could be wrong, and things could improve. Keep the faith. It is always a pleasure when I get a chance to talk to Dusty Wolf. I really got a lot of time for that guy. Just a great dude. Really great dude. It's fun, fun talking to him. You know, he's he's very well versed in, in the business aspect of pro wrestling. He lived it. You know, very thoughtful person. Just really on his stuff. So appreciate you, Dusty. Hope you continue to get well from those surgeries and what have you. And best to your family. Good guy. You know, it's it's interesting, folks. Um, I was. Taking a look at some things online, because you know I I, I have a, a, a group, Duke's Wrestling Crew. It's a private, it's a private wrestling group. You know, some of my core audience are in there, and wrestlers and bookers, referees, and a lot of a really interesting mix of people are involved in this group. And they're a nice sounding board for things and give perspective and what have you. In fact, we had a poll where we, I asked. You know, what, what do folks think um, CM Punk is going to do next? CM Punk had talked about how every time he talks to the folks over at All Elite Wrestling, they, they kind of misrepresent. He didn't use those words, but that was the gist of what he was saying. They misrepresent the, the interactions he has with them. As soon as he talks to them, they go out to the media. Oh, I talked to Punk. Tony Khan. Oh, I got a great relationship with Punk, even though Punk said he doesn't really know Tony Khan at all. Um... When he talks to Cody Rhodes, Cody Rhodes goes out there and says he was just talking to Punk. They're using his name to put themselves over, basically. But I put out a poll and I asked, you know, what do you think CM Punk's going to do next in his career? Because Cody Rhodes said he wouldn't be surprised if Punk goes back to WWE. And, you know, surprisingly, the majority of you said he that you believe he's going to join All Elite Wrestling. Some of you said that you, you don't think he'll ever wrestle again, which I don't think he'll ever wrestle again. But majority of you say he's going to join All Elite Wrestling. That'll be interesting. You know, StarCast, which is the, the greatest pro wrestling convention ever. My man Conrad Thompson, he puts that on. That's going to be happening at the same time as the next uh, All Elite Wrestling pay-per-view. So, of course, there's speculation that Punk is going to be there. At the All Elite Wrestling pay-per-view. But Punk is, has been very vocal about the fact that he's not going to be involved in it at all. It has nothing to do with it. So, I mean, hey, we'll wait and see what happens. But it's interesting. It's all interesting. I don't know. But it's 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 funny because there was a, a, a graphic going around. A guy by the name of Garrett Kidney. And he's at Garrett Kidney on, on Twitter, I guess. He was taking a look at the SummerSlam card that's coming up. SummerSlam is about two weeks, right? And on the card, he listed the matches that we know are going to happen. And how many times the people in the matches have wrestled one another. I guess this would be have wrestled one another either on pay-per-view, possibly pay-per-view and TV. Because some of these numbers, I mean, all these numbers seem kind of low to me. Because I know that, you know, the house shows, they usually have the wrestlers who are going to be battling each other on pay-per-views. They get the kinks out on the house shows, live events. But just just listen to this. Lesnar versus Rollins. This is going to be the fourth time we get that. Becky Lynch versus Natty. It's going to be the eighth time we get this. Bailey versus Ember Moon will be the first time. Kofi versus Randy Orton, the ninth time we're going to get that. Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon, the second time in a rematch from Hell in a Cell. Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt, the fourth time. 
AJ Styles versus Ricochet. This is the fourth time. Charlotte versus Trish Stratus. The first time we get that. And the Miz versus Dolph Ziggler. This would be the 23rd time those guys lock up. According to Garrett Kidney. And I don't know what he used to get those stats. I got to imagine these have got to be a combination of pay-per-view and TV matches, I'm assuming. I know the Kofi and Randy Orton number of nine seems kind of low. But I'll, I'll take his word for it, whatever. But it's it's interesting because there is a, a, a population of you out there that have a problem with seeing wrestlers who have wrestled one another before be on pay-per-views having another match or even being on Raw or SmackDown having another match. And I got to tell you, I just think that you're crazy if you have a problem with wrestlers wrestling each other for the eighth time or the ninth time or the or the 23rd time. The more a wrestler wrestles another wrestler, the more familiar they get with one another. The more familiar they get with one another, more often than not, the better the end result is. They have a better match because they have a feel for one another. They know what the other person is going to do. This is why the the Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat feud was such a big deal historically. If you go back and you take a look at the feud between Yoshihiro Tajiri and Super Crazy in ECW, or even Dean Malenko and Eddie Guerrero all over the world, same same concept. Same concept. Sting and Ric Flair. Same concept. Right? When you wrestle somebody over and over again, you get used to them. They get used to you. The end result is going to be something special. Most often than not. Or at least it's going to be better than it was previously. Sasha and, and, and Charlotte, they always have great matches with each other. Always. I just don't understand what's going on in this day and age where it's just like people have such short attention spans that the basic concept of a wrestling feud is something that bothers them. It's a feud. They're supposed to wrestle each other multiple times over over a period of years. It's a feud. Let me tell you something. You can give me New Day versus Usos every single week, and I will never get tired of it. And you know why? Because those guys are two of the greatest tag teams of all time, and when they wrestle each other, it is magic. It is magic. And I'm like, oh, man, I just saw this last week, man. And then it's like, oh, my God, this is such a good match every time. It's called a feud. You can't be a good dancer without a good dance partner. Okay. At least not in like ballroom dancing and what have you. Come on. And it's crazy because, you know, your favorite sports teams, they play each other numerous times a year, every year. Right? Football, baseball, basketball, hockey, European football. Right? They play each other multiple times a year, every year. What's the problem? Other than that, you you don't understand the concept of a feud. And here's the crazy part about it. Feuds make money. Because we're talking about a personal issue between entities, right? Sasha and Charlotte basically came up through the WWE system together. They have a personal issue with one another. Anytime they wrestle each other, that's added to that feud. It's a historic deal there, right? I know they're not wrestling on this card, but I I like to use them as an example because they're a great example. Brock Lesnar and and Seth Rollins, they got a feud going on. And it's a fairly one-sided feud. Lesnar has gotten the better Rollins most of the time, but it's still interesting to watch. Kofi Kingston and Randy Orton is a great match every time. You don't even have to think about it. Sign me up. I'm watching. 
Every time. Two of the greats. Every time. There's nothing wrong with a good feud. And feuds make money. That's why you got the Red Sox and the Yankees. Right? That's why you have, Jesus, the Golden State Warriors versus anyone LeBron James has. Feuds make money. Feuds make money. I'm telling you. Bird versus Larry Bird versus Magic Johnson. Feuds make money. I'm telling you. So, if you want to bring back John Cena and have him wrestle Randy Orton, I'm going to watch. You want to you want to put Flair and Hogan in the, in the middle of a ring with each other one last time? I'm watching that match. <laughs> I'm watching. Undertaker can can have a one last hell in the cell with Mick Foley. I'm gonna watch. Feuds make money. We want the feuds. We want quality wrestling. And you're not gonna get that unless the talents are familiar with each other. Most of the time. It's very rare that wrestlers will wrestle each other for the first time or only one time and they have magic in the ring. One of those wrestlers is going to have to be like a Ric Flair wrestler where he could take Sting, who he's never wrestled with before, go 45 minutes with him at Clash of the Champions, and it was an instant classic. That hardly ever happens. Feuds make money. Like I said before, folks, you can head over to Facebook, Twitter, Gmail, type in Duke Loves Wrestling. Send your comments. Follow the page. Make sure you follow the podcast, obviously. Join us next week when I'll have uh, another great guest. We'll talk about some other great stuff. In fact, I think I'm going to go over the SummerSlam card in detail next week. So we'll see how that goes. Until then, be kind to yourselves. Be kind to others. It's the Duke signing off saying, take it away, Tony Schiavone. This is Tony Schiavone, and we're desperately out of time on Duke Love Wrestling.